Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Yo, what's good? What's happening, Rush Nation? Welcome to episode 93. Yes, your listening devices or video devices are not wrong. Ash and I are coming to you live on a sunny Sunday evening here in the UK. Ash, episode 93, we are creeping towards 100 and we are back. We're going to cover off perhaps the better side of the ball for you personally. I don't know. I just know you have a huge love for the defensive side. As per usual, we decided that we were going to do 50 best players in one podcast. Got to round about 25 and then hit the hour mark. So it was only fair we came back to the hour. How are you, my man? And it's been a minute. Yeah, I'm doing good. As you say, it's it's nice and sunny. Just been chilling, chilling outside. Although we had a bit of rain this morning. So it's, uh, at least the afternoon was a bit nicer. But yeah, back to it. Defensive side of the ball. As you say, this is my this is this is what I prefer. I've always been a more defensive minded football fan. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to go through these guys and I'm glad they've got a standalone episode. Absolutely. So if you are living under a rock and this is the first time you are taking in any college football news, I suppose, from the last week, we have a bombshell to drop. However, I imagine everybody who is either watching this now later or listen to the podcast has already heard this bit of news but it's only right that ash and i talk about it before we get to the bit of news before the defensive players we do have a competition running we have two spots to give away in this year's ffcc murph has been generous enough to give us two spots uh, ash are you in it this year i am indeed yeah i got went into the division 
yesterday. So looking forward to the draft. Fast yeah. approaching. I'm also in it. My my division is absolutely chock full of analysts and long time fantasy players. So my quest to get out of the first round is is probably <laughs> unlikely yeah. once again. But go on, what are you gonna no, say? No, I was gonna say last year I did quite I think last year I got the furthest <laughs> out of all of the five yard guys, if I if I remember correctly. So I'm hoping I, I, I can repeat I, that this year. I think I might be right in thinking, Ash, as well, that you didn't even know you'd got that far until I told you to have a look. Is that right? That is correct, yeah. <laughs> I did not go. have a clue. <laughs> Ash and I's uh, completion to the college side is almost complete. The manifestation towards the ball with the white stripes is closing in very quickly. Normally, we'd we'd say to the podcast people that we've got a question and we just want you to answer it. But in the constant drive for more views on YouTube or Twitter, there will be a quiz question coming up that we want you to answer. It's going to be up on the screen. Ash and I are not going to verbalise it whatsoever. So if you're listening to the podcast, come check out the... It will be in the first 10 minutes. We're not going to ask you to watch through the whole thing because if you do consume it via audio, we know you don't want to do it twice. But we would like some views on YouTube. So perhaps come over to YouTube, check us out, hit the like, subscribe button, hit the bell so you know when anybody at Five Yard is going live. Within the first 10 minutes, the question will come up and all you have to do is follow us on Twitter and DM us the answer if you tweet us the answer, A, one of us will be very annoyed because you are giving the answer away, uh, and B, you're breaking the rules, so we might not enter you into the competition. So listen up uh, to the rules and then come watch for the question because it will be coming up within the next six minutes because we're at three minutes 50 already. Ash, right, let's do the news. We'll cover the news. We'll hit the quiz question. We'll leave it up. Arch Manning is officially committed to the Texas Longhorns for the 2023 class. The five-star quarterback and nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning is the top recruit in the class. Manning joins an already absolutely stacked quarterback room down in Texas. Five-star transfer, as we know, Quinn Ewers is already there, plus Hudson Card, Hudson Card, sorry, and Malik Murphy already at the Longhorns. Was this a surprise for you, Ash, to see Arch Manning going to Texas? And then secondly, back, piggybacking on that, we've had a lot of chat in the five-yard college group about Quinn Ewers. Can he transfer? Can he not transfer again, having already transferred? I didn't think he did. Could. You didn't think he could. But then I read an article from Yahoo that said if he did, he'd have to sit out a year. Do you have a definitive answer to part B of my very, very long question? <laughs> so as far as I'm aware, the rules for transfers changed in 2021 meaning that a player can only transfer once between NCAA schools. Um, it used to be that they automatically had to sit out um, and, and, unless exceptional circumstances. Um, or if they, and, and when they, if they did it more than once, they definitely had to sit out. But my understanding of the rules now is that once you've transferred to another program and you have to, signed and you are with that program... I'm under the impression that's it. I don't believe you can move again. Now, if someone correct, can correct me on that, great. But that's 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 my understanding of the new rules that came into play in 2021. So Quinn Ewers is, is a Longhorn now. And as far as I'm aware, will have to remain a Longhorn for the rest of his college career. So uh, I also, to jump in there, thought that the rule change has changed in 2021 to enable players to almost transfer and play straight away, but that meaning you could only transfer once. I don't know whether that's correct or not, but 
coaches at the time criticised the transfer portal and what it would do to college football, which is, you know, somewhat understandable. But with Quinn Ewers pretty much, as you and I see it now, guaranteed a Longhorn, he's going to play this year. And then the year after, it's there could well be a quarterback battle. Now, Quinn Ewers could declare after only a year. We've seen that a couple of times. However, if you look back at... Peyton and Eli's college careers, they both sat behind quarterbacks in their freshman year. They weren't in a rush to get the, the lead role at respective colleges they were at. So could we see them, could we see Arch following their footsteps second year as as head player at the Longhorns and, and then progress once he goes? I don't know. That was just perhaps from reading and... Yeah, I mean it's an interesting it's an interesting development that we've obviously got there now, Archman in the the the, the most talked about QB in this class and the the the, the top rated QB. I think the the he wanted to, to be at a different college to what his 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 uncles were. I think that was one thing that was was clear from the start. Um, but Texas was always one of the favourites that that were being spoken about. I did think when Quinn Ewers transferred there, it may have changed his mind, but. He, he he's set on Texas and 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 is there now. As we could well see a, a, a situation like we had last year with Quinn Ewers, where he he stays a year. Quinn Ewers is the starter, or and, and and Manning transfers next year, or as you say, Quinn Ewers could could play a year and, and declare early. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a strange decision, but it, it, Texas does seem to have been his choice from the start. So it isn't it isn't majorly surprising it's just somewhat more surprising knowing that Quinn Ewers is, is sat there for me it was the perfect Manning's way of going about it you know there was no pomp no circumstance uh, Peyton and Eli were very quiet on the whole thing they never wanted to talk about it and they never brought it up and then it was just a picture of him in a Longhorns jersey on Instagram and that was it it, it was all very quiet very it seems to me that it's a very calculated move on perhaps the whole party of the Mannings, not just Archie's. And yeah. it would be, I think we'd be naive to sit here and think that he's made the decision on his own. He hasn't had the, the help from his uncles who have played at the highest level. You know, they've got four Super Bowls between them. They know how to not play court. They obviously know how to play quarterback, but they know how to play their role in the NFL and, and respective teams as well. So I think even with Quinn Ewers being there, I think perhaps they made that situation they managed it to perfection for if that's where arch wanted to go to then i don't think it matters that yours is there because i think it's either going to be a one or two year deal between them for the fight and and we'll see you as either next year or the year after in the nfl and i don't think there'll be this sort of monumental quarterback battle that we're gonna that we're gonna see i don't know i could well be wrong no, we, I, I agree we, we're up to nine minutes now Rush nation here comes the question if you're gonna answer it we need you to follow us on Twitter, DM us the answer, and you will need to have it in by Friday the 1st of July, Ash. Is that right? Is that uh, what we, did yes, we agree? Friday, Friday, yeah. Friday, Friday, 1st of July. Yeah, so we'll say midday British summertime, Friday the 1st yeah. of July. The question is now on the screen. <laughs> Ash came up with it, so if you don't know the answer, look it up. Right, <laughs> Rush Nation, those of you that know me, uh, know that I've written two copies of the playbook now. If you want the new playbook, it will probably be out by the time this podcast drops on Amazon. Uh, it, my part in the playbook is offensive players, and I got really into watching tape and 
looking their stats up and stuff and writing my points of view on these players. Now, normally we go into these things with Ash being the knowledge man and me waving a little flag, white flag and learning, but we couldn't do the podcast the other night because my boy H was sick. So I sat down, watched some tape and look, I'll show you one video. I've got this and I've also got this of defensive players. I've gone old school. It's pen and paper. So if you are listening, there will be some rustling, but hey, who doesn't like some background noise when they listen to a podcast? Interestingly, Ash, we don't necessarily have the top three players. I've only done two or three on each position. There are a couple from my list that are not in your top three. We'll do the same format as last time. We'll do your top three. And then if I've got somebody from the notable players to talk about, we'll talk about them. Sounds good. I like it. Okay. Let's get started. Well, we'll start a defensive tackle because that's at the top of our list. And we went three to one last time, did we? We did indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's go again then. At three, we've got Zach Pickens, South Carolina senior. I've got nothing on him in my list. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I, I've put Zach Pickens here because of I, some down to I have watched a lot of game tape on him. Um, that, that is one of the reasons. But I've also, I like the potential that's there. And I like the option that he offers as a defensive so he is a defensive tackle um he but he is a defensive tackle that can um play in the pass rush and and does play in the pass rush quite heavily for for South Carolina um and what i've seen from him is he is a big uh, a big he's a big bodied rusher he's 64 just just over 300 pounds i think he's 35 310 and alongside that size he is quick across across the, the the short areas which is absolutely perfect when it comes to a rushing a rusher um and especially a defensive tackle that rushes as well but the size allows him to challenge the the the, the offensive lineman um in particular from the initial snap his anchoring point is 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 solid because of his size and the strength that he has uh, behind that it allows him to to set himself from on the impact and not be moved around by the offensive lineman. He's tall, as I mentioned already. He's got a big frame. He's got a decent size overall length, which is good, as I mentioned about the offensive lineman last week. Um, smaller arms and smaller frame can sometimes cause issues because you can get caught underneath or swiped your arms out from that, from under you if you if you if you are smaller size so having that that size to go alongside the the strength and the quickness in the short in the short burst adds everything to pickings games that you're looking for for a defensive tackle in the in the pass rush in particular he can also handle himself quite well in double team when he when he is when he is double teamed by offensive tackles um, and, and an offensive lineman as a whole um there is occasions where he does get overpowered because he does play quite high in his in his in his stance. He's got a high pad level. What I mean by that is when you when you set yourself in your in your stance in the initial snap, and he comes up, he comes up quick and he comes up high. And because he's already six four, getting underneath him can be slightly easier for the line offensive lineman if he does come up too quickly. The only other slight issue I have seen with him in the past rush in particular is he can miss tackles. He gets <laughs> to the ball carrier, but he just his overall 
placement is need, needs work. His tech, his tackling technique overall needs work at times. It's, it's on occasion that you've seen him. He's tried. He's not wrapped up correctly. He's tried to essentially just hit the hit the running back, and we've seen. Certain, certain running backs, if you hit them, they're just going to bounce off you and carry on going or they're going to slip away from you. So that's a small weakness that I've seen so far in him that I, that I, I do think he needs to work on. But his overall potential and his already decent metrics from, from, an, from, his, uh, from his measurement point of view, um, that's why I've currently got him at number three. I, I've heard, I, I've seen, sorry, a couple of guys talk about Zach Pickens and they think his potential, that the guy at one here, I think, is the best ET in the class. And yeah. we'll talk about him in a little bit. But there's a couple of guys I've seen talk, have a conversation about Zach Pickens. And they say his upside is perhaps greater than the guy we have at one. Mm-hmm. And they talk about him in the same way as the guy who went from Georgia this year to the Jags at one, who wasn't really talked about as the first overall pick. And then they took the, I can't remember his name, because I love no money now. Tra- Trayvon Walker. That's the one, Trayvon Walker. But they, yeah. you know, he they picked him on his potential and upside as opposed to the guaranteed of Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson. So I think there's a chance. I'm not saying this is actually going to happen, but of the defensive tackles, Zach Pickens could easily be the first one taken come draft next year. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree. If he has a good year with South Carolina, he, he certainly that. This is why he's at free because I think the two guys above him at the moment are, are, are better and are more ready for me, in particular the number one. But Pickens' potential, as you've mentioned, and other people have said, is is definitely there, and and if not higher than than these other two guys, and he has that flexibility of either being an edge, a, a bigger edge, granted, or or an interior defensive lineman. He's he's shown both. Yeah, that that Rush Nation right there was a masterclass from Ash in how to describe a player. My description will not be that great because I've only have a few bullet points down by each player, but just be grateful. I've done some research. So at two, Ash, we've got Brian Breezy from Clemson. He's a junior. I've got some notes on him. So I'll start and then you fill in any of the massive gaps I leave behind. So my initial thought from reading about Brian Breezy was that he had torn an ACL last year. I don't know whether he did it in the first game or after a couple of games, but he really didn't play much football last year. So that in itself for a big guy playing DT, not necessarily an issue, but missing a whole season, especially last year with Clemson when they had a down year and their defence was what kept them alive, was a big deal for me. He has the ability, again, this is a general, I think from looking at people's write-ups and watching some highlights, I think this is a generational class at defensive tackle. I don't think we've seen a class where the maybe three, four or even five defensive tackles are as good in quantity as we've seen in many, many years. And for the fact that, you know, Brian Breezy and Zach Pickens and even the number one guy, they could all be better than we have projected at the moment. So Brian Breezy has flashes, but is also very inconsistent. He, he needs a full season, I think, to, to put it all together for Clemson. And if he can do that, I think he could potentially also be the first. I mean, we're going to say that all these guys could be the DTs, but we know Clemson produced good defensive tackles. We know that Brian Brise can be as good as perhaps the top guy. For me, he's got better penetration through the line than the guy at number one. However, he doesn't have quite as much strength and agility getting to the outside when edge rushing. So for me, Brian Brise is at two. What do you reckon, Ash? What have I missed? 
Yeah, no, you, you've hit it back up bang on there. Um, inconsistency was one of the main things for me in terms of his weaknesses, in particular, separating from the offensive linemen, separating from those blocks. He can sometimes, um, it, 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 that that's where his inconsistency can come in, where he just, he, he can't separate from that initial block. And, and when that happens, you're essentially ineffective in the in the in the in the defensive game then and and leaves leaves gaps that's the main thing for me the acl injury last year that as you mentioned is is a slight concern it was earlier on in the season he played i believe he did it against nc state which was the third or fourth game of the season so he and he had surgery in october so he should be well on his way to being fit for the start of the season and the preseason. So there is a slight concern because it's defensive. Ta- it's a defensive lineman with uh, with with a, a knee injury. But I think in this day and age, we see people come back from ACLs all the time. So it's only a minor concern. Inconsistency is the main one for me. As you mentioned, he's got the size. I do, although I do, he is. He does look like he has a leaner frame compared to some, um, but he uses that to his advantage. He's got the agility on his feet and and the way he can move around and use his body in and around the rush and and the, in the, in the offensive line, he, the, his, his, his frame isn't an issue because of he's developed his game around that. Um, Against the run, he is difficult to, to hold down because as we've already mentioned his his agility to to move away and around and it just yeah his penetration through the line as you said i think is is probably is probably better than than the guy that we've got at number one it's literally just the inconsistency for me he just needs to show it this year in a full season i think if we get a full season out of him he could well and and probably will be the the number one def- defensive tackle in this class as he's been touted for a couple of years. People expected him to come out for the 2022 draft. Obviously, that injury so early on in the season pretty much put that to bed. But before that, he was he was in conversation as the the, the number one defensive tackle and defensive lineman um, in the 2022 class. So I fully expect him to be there if he can put a a half solid season together that's that's all we need from him he's shown us what his ability and his potential is we just need it in a bigger dose now for this year yeah I mean he was the top rated defensive tackle coming out of his class five star he was the dog coming out of his class yeah he just needs to put it together what I think does help him is I mentioned somebody we're going to talk about in a little bit is Miles Murphy is still at Clemson he played well last year without Brian Breezy imagine what these two can do together with a full season you know Aiden Aiden Hutchinson and uh, David Ajobo did the same thing at Michigan. These two could do the same thing for Clemson this year if they're both fit and healthy uh, and play well. Right, Ash, number one, Voldemort, because yeah. we haven't mentioned his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at one, Jalen Carter, Georgia. If you watched any of Georgia's defence last year, you'll know that Jalen Carter is better than Wyatt and Davis from last year's class. Ash, defensive tackles don't tend to go as early as top five. This no. guy is good enough to be top five, I think. I think he's got that sort of talent if he yeah. can progress slightly. As I mentioned earlier, he's got elite strength. He's very athletic for his size. Not only can he penetrate the line, but he can also get around the edge and pass rush. So I think for me, that's what gives him the slight edge at the minute over Breezy. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I think he he's the most well-rounded and, and uh, we, we use this all the time, but it, it's so true for Carter, NFL ready. 
he could step on an NFL pitch tomorrow and 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 be and be just just as good as as some of the guys that are already there in my opinion he's got the strength he's got the size he's got the techniques um uh, the way that he can shed a block is is it's brilliant to see it's almost as entertaining as seeing a running back make a play through the line him shedding a block from an from an offensive lineman is is a, is a talent in itself but as a sense he's got the size but the way he uses his body to twist and turn and get out of those blocks is is second to none it really is he's also plays with exceptional leverage there's not many times you'll see this guy be out leveraged by an offensive lineman and that is something that is absolutely crucial for a defensive lineman the the only slight concerns i've seen on the tape from him and these are rare occasions is there are times where he can't consistently shed the block and make a play um it's on the very rare occasion but it, it's it's almost like he's trying to do too much when he's come when he's trying to break away from an offensive lineman when sometimes less is more um which then of course obviously gets him stuffed up in the in the in the line and, and obviously out of the play um and i think just his overall the when he uses his hands he just doesn't seem to be as aggressive at and and violent, I will say, in in his in his initial shove and 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 using his hands. I think I would like to see a bit more of that. But it's on the very rare occasion he is, as I said, so well rounded and already ready to, to to take that next step up. And I think another year with this Bulldogs as now the main guy in the probably, I'd say he's the main guy in the def, in the in, in the defense alongside another guy that we'll be speaking about in the mo, in a minute. He is the man there now, so we're just going to see him more and more this year. Um, and I think he's just only going to impress, and he could quite easily be a top five, despite the fact he's a defensive tackle. Hundred percent. We've got some other notable players: Tyler Davis, also from Clemson, just another player in orange there to watch out for this year. Uh, Sakia Ikia, her Baylor, Jacqueline Roy from LSU. He's got the chance to be top three come the end of the class because I think he's got some serious talent. And then Byron Young from Alabama another player who could easily be top three uh, of this class if he has a good year. Yeah, definitely. I think all these guys are close. It's, it's Carter and Breezy for me. And then Pickens has just got the, the the most potential out of the rest of the guys, which is why he's my number three. But it is close. And uh, as you mentioned, Jacqueline Roy in particular, I think he's the closest to challenging him for that. Um, the, the potential is certainly there. The only slight thing that concerns me is his oh is that he's just he's just average in his athleticism it just it isn't as impressive as these other three guys yeah. he can he can work on that um but yeah it's just if we get a good season out of him he is definitely going to be in that conversation that's for sure okay let's move outside to the edge and outside linebackers uh, we will be talking about possibly the best player in the draft in in a few minutes time ash we'll yeah. start at three you've we've got separate threes here which is okay which, which i like i'm gonna bring some some juice to the number three you can start you've got nolan smith from georgia who is a yeah. senior as your third edge 
Yeah, and this is the other guy when I mentioned about um, Jalen Carter as the, the main guy in the defence for Georgia this year. Um, Smith was obviously overshadowed with what was there last year. This is his year to now show exactly what he can do, and he showed it at times last year. He's got the athleticism. He's He's got the good athleticism. He's got um, good lateral movements and his agility when it comes to the pass, uh, the pass blocking game. Um, the strength is there when it, in particular, when it comes to the engagement with a defensive lineman, the way he's able to punch and, and move, uh, move the lineman out of the way. Um, his reactions to the ball and the, his size as well. He's six three, two hundred thirty-five pounds. Six three edge rusher is 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 brilliant. You love to see that, and but he has the size and the athleticism to to join together. And I still think there's more. He he still has more room in that frame. And I think even if he adds to that, I don't think it's going to lessen his potential or his his overall ability. In fact. That's one of the weaknesses that I've got. I want to see him add more to his frame. If he can bulk up just that little bit more and get that little bit stronger, he is he's going to be right up there with the with the rest of the edge rushers. Um, I think the only slight criticism for me is when he is engaging with the quarterback or the running back. He it just doesn't seem to keep track of the ball and the, the play is there for him to make a play with the ball. It just doesn't seem to be on his mind. He's just going for the player to get them down or to stop the play. Whereas with an edge rusher, you want that, you want the play to be stopped, of course, but you want him also to be making plays on the ball. I just don't see that a lot from Smith and I'd like to see him add that into his game. Okay. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think this is his year to shine coming up the shadows from last year. So, Nolan Smith could be a big-time mover come come draft season. I have Andre Carter from Army at three. Now, initially, I was I watched some tape of all, all the players on our list, and I thought, I really like Andre Carter. Didn't realise, as an I thought, as an Army football player, you had to then go into the Army and serve. I didn't realise you could declare for the NFL draft. I don't know where I heard that from. It could be from some of the other forces. I just I didn't realise it was the thing that you couldn't. I thought you were because you were you were playing football at an army college and then you go on to to serve in the army as opposed to you could actually declare. So I could be wrong on that. I could have made all of that up and it could be nonsense. Andre Carter, six foot seven, two hundred and sixty five pounds, huge, huge human being, and does not move like he's two hundred and sixty five six seven. The guy last year, you're right, he's playing for army. Had 15 and a half sacks last year. That in itself is a massive number. Showing that he can win in two-on-one, one-on-one. If you want power and speed, this guy's got it in absolute buckets. And he can drop into coverage. I think he may have had an interception last year. He's got okay ball skills. We're not talking about a guy who's going to pick the quarterback off at random here. But if you want somebody who's going to drop back, this guy can offer you that. If you're off just after a bulldozer, which fits the West Point Gameplay absolutely perfectly. Andre Carter for me is the third best pass rush outside linebacker-ish in this draft class. Yeah, and I think that's the, what you've mentioned there is one of the one of the reasons why he's on the, my notable, but not at number three. I think he just he just lacks that um, overall vision when it comes to the ball, um, and I think he can be easily outmaneuvered because he is 
he is a just a, a, a power rusher or a, a quick rusher. He's just going to try and get around the player and into the backfield. He's not. He doesn't. He, he doesn't seem to really be looking at the play and and where the ball is. That's the only thing for me. I think if he can develop that, then everything else that he's got, along with that size and the above average athleticism for his, a guy his size, he has he has got a real a real potential. But it just needs to add that extra bit of I'd almost say IQ into his game, football IQ, in terms of reading the plays when he's making that initial um break into the backfield and, and making the plays in the coverage. He he is a bit of a tank, I'll, I'll give you that. Um okay, let's talk about number two, Miles Murphy, Clemson Jr. I've got this is what I put. Looked good last year without Brian Breezy, which is a huge plus because when you take away somebody's caliber like Brian Brise, and he still looks good. That's a plus for me. And then just go and watch the Iowa State game. He had 10 pressures and a sack. It's all you need to know about Miles Murphy. Ash, fill everything else in because that was poor. <laughs> yeah, well, Miles um, Murphy, what I like about him is is he's quick. He's big and he's quick. Um, he he has that, um, that old spin move, the spin move to get away from blocks. For the life of me, I can't remember the Colt Rusher that sort of made that move famous. Um, I'll tell you who did make it me. really famous was uh, the guy who went to play for Arizona. After yeah, he, he, was, he was a Colt. Yeah, he was a Colt as well. That's, that's who I'm thinking of. I can't uh, think of his name. Yeah. He's the one who sort of really brought it to light and made it his own. Yeah. Murphy loves to add to that and he adds that into his game. Sometimes he does it a little bit too much, but he can pull it off really well. Um, but he's, as I say, he's quick. He can, he can keep up with running backs and, and the more mobile quarterbacks when it comes to sideline to sideline play. Once he's broken into the backfield and uh, they're, they're trying to maintain the play, he will chase them down and he can chase them down and get to them. He's got quick hands. Uh, as I mentioned already, he, he can he can chase down he can chase down the players. He's quick in a straight line and his explosion off his initial um off the initial snap is is up there with 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 anybody else in this in this draft class slight concerns um he plays high as i mentioned about pickens earlier on the on the defensive tackle side of things murphy can play high which as i've mentioned already you can then get out leveraged because of that um uh, but he's just always there he's just always running he's always in and around the play regardless of how his initial Set, set off the snap is because he's got that recovery speed for an edge, which is which is great to see. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about our guy, Will Anderson Jr. <laughs> Obviously, if you watched any college football last year, you know he plays for Alabama. Yeah. My notes on Will Anderson. He has... We've seen players in the last few years who have had one good season. Agent Hutchinson, for instance, made a real name for himself last year. Will Anderson Jr. has dominated in the last two years he's played football. He had the most pressures in the SEC in his freshman and sophomore years and is probably going to go and do exactly the same thing this year for Alabama. He's not only an edge player. He can also offer huge stopping power in the run game. And then when it comes to being an edge rusher, he's extremely flexible. His bend is unreal. He gets low. He can get under the, the, the offensive tackle. And his speed to get to the quarterback is is frightening. Yeah, I mean, that there isn't 
much more to say uh, about Will Anderson. Everybody that, that has a vague interest in college football should know who this kid is. He is exceptional. He's easily the best player in this draft class, without a shadow of a doubt. Ignoring positions, Will Anderson is, is the best player in this class. There is, He's got elite-level skills across the boards. I mean, there is really not much that you can say is wrong with his game. Um, I, I can't even nitpick. There's a, there's, I've watched the tape. There's an odd occasion where his, his frame can let him down because he can get beaten with the hands. That's on the very rare occasion. He is so well-rounded and already at the potential that he's already at the ability of some guys that have been playing in the NFL for two or three years and he's yeah. still got more room to develop and he's still got more room in his body to be bigger he's only 240 pounds he is smaller for an edge rusher but you wouldn't think that from the way he plays if he adds more to his frame and doesn't lose any of his athletic ability he is going to be frighteningly good at the next level. He, as Emerson mentioned, he's he's clearing away the number one at the edge, the linebacker, and just the overall 2023 class. Yep. It's going the to take... Reason, a, the only reason he doesn't go number one is if somebody really wants a quarterback yeah. and moves up. Because otherwise, this guy's generational. He's. I think if he'd have been in last year's draft class, he would have been the best edge player in last year's draft class. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the best player in this draft class. Yeah. And anybody who gets him past number one, it's an absolute steal because somebody is moving yeah. up for a quarterback. It's, there is no if, buts, and maybes. I, I, it, it is an absolute pleasure yes. to go and watch him play football. It's frightening. Oh, definitely, yeah. As a, and he's got the flexibility to to be an edge at the next level or or an outside linebacker, and he could be the best at either of those positions. It's crazy how good this kid is already, and with more potential. Already on top of that, it's it's scary. Yeah, we do have some other notable players we should mention: Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, B.J. Ojolari, LSU, Derek Hall from Auburn, Zach Harrison, Buckeye, and Andre Carter, who I've already mentioned from Army. Asher, for those players, anybody you want to talk about quickly before we slide along to the inside linebackers? No, I mean, the main one you mentioned already, that, that was that was Andre Carter, who's getting a bit overshadowed because he plays for Army. Um, just some further development in his game. He has got the, he's got the raw potential there to be, to be a solid edge rusher. Just need to see him add some key fundamentals to his game. But yeah, I, I, I like what I've seen from him so far, and I'm hoping that he can improve this year. And he's going to be a steal for us for anybody because I can imagine he's probably unless he has a, an absolute blinding year. Um, I think you're looking at round three or four for him, which will be a steal. Yes, sir. Right. Let's talk some linebackers. We have the same three and we have them in the same order. Ash, let's start at number three: Trenton Simpson, Clemson sophomore. Just another tiger in this list of top three players. Clemson last year had a good defense, and they're set to have one again. For me. Simpson, he looks a little light. As he's only two hundred and twenty pounds, I say only, maybe a touch small for an inside linebacker. But he's got a frame where he's he's not a seagull man. It's almost his shoulders are really wide, and then everything else is quite narrow. Yeah, but he tackles like he's built like a tin can, like the same width all the way down. He can pass rush. Is a better tackler for me than a pass rusher. 
sometimes his eyes wander on a pass play and he can get caught out because he's not a ball hawk. But as a tackler, he is superb. And as an inside guy, I think if he can put a bit of size on downstairs, get the, get the thickness in the thighs going, I think he, he, he offers everything you want from an inside guy. Yeah, yeah. Main thing that uh, that I had as a as a key point for him in terms of weaknesses was that he needs to add to his he needs to add size and bulk to his frame. It's just a little bit on the smaller size, but as you say, he's he's surprisingly good in the tackle for when you when you look at him as as a linebacker. He's definitely, as you said, more of a run defender. Um, he gets downfield in the run game exceptionally well. Obviously, against the bigger running backs his size can can be a disadvantage but there is definitely room for to, to add to that frame and I think if he does that's 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 only going to do him a world of good but he's quick um he's good when he drops into coverage and he drops into the zone zone plays uh, that I've seen as you mentioned his eyes can go wandering but he's got the recovery in terms of the um the, the overall speed and his change of direction speed as well is impressive for a, for a, for a linebacker to make up if he misses that initial play but he can also as you say also offer something in the pass rush when when called upon in terms of of the speed to get around the edge so do we do we think that the speed come lightweightness that's terribly is his lack of weight should we put it is perhaps what contributes to his speed so will he lose some of his ability to catch up or recover by adding some some weight. I don't think so because he know he needs he needs to add to his arms and legs. He needs to add mass, muscle. If and I don't think that's going to impact his overall speed. Um, if anything, if he if he improves if he gets if he improves uh, in terms of bulking up his legs, it might might only benefit him. I don't think it's going to have a massive impact. He does seem naturally athletic when it comes to that aspect of his game, um, and. I don't think that's why I don't, and I also think it's one of the reasons why I don't think we'll see him add too much because of that explosiveness that he offers. He's going to beat a guard. He's going to beat um, the the tackles by being quicker than them and by being able to outmaneuver them. And in on the same breath, in the open field, he's going to be quick enough and agile enough to make up if he is lacking in the coverage game because of that side because of that speed so I think we might see him add a little bit of throughout the year and by the time he gets the NFL but I don't see him getting at getting too much bigger because it is part of his game that having that that side that speed and I think he's big enough to play that type of role yeah that's fair Rush Nation we are 40 minutes in and we're going long today but it's Sunday evening what are you doing not watching us <laughs> shout out to the individual who is currently watching and has been here since the start don't know who you are, but salute to you, sir. Ash, let's talk about somebody who isn't lacking in size. Penne Saul's younger brother, Noah Saul, again from Oregon, 254 pounds. This guy is not lacking in weight when it comes to playing the inside linebacker. I've got for Noah Saul, he is superb in zone coverage, not great against man coverage. Probably a size and speed issue because of the weight in order to, to stay with a guy, a wide receiver or, or a tight end. Is, he might struggle speed-wise that way. Needs to work on his pass rush, but is an absolute elite level tackler for me. When he tackles, he wraps you up, he brings you down, whether that be a pass catcher or a running back. Just needs to work on a few things for him to get to the top level for me. 
Yeah, I think as you mentioned, uh, he's already got the size. He's already he already looks like he's maxed out in his frame, um, and and I don't see him adding much to that. I think he's already there. What I really like about him and what I see at the next level is him moving to the outside linebacker role. Um, he reads the quarterback so well when it, um, it when it comes to the to the pass play and also. The, the run game as well in reading the running backs um, that I just, I, I think I see him being pushed to the outside at the next level. And he may even play some of that for Oregon this year. He's got, as you mentioned, he's not got the best overall speed, but he's got good enough speed and his arms, the, he's got long arms that he can still make up for the that that over lack of overall speed to still get to a quarterback still get to a running back or or a tight end through the middle i also like his instincts and his reactions when it comes to making those plays he always seems to be able to locate the ball especially when it comes to um in 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 traffic in heavy traffic through the middle just overall his overall game when it comes to that um reactional instinctual finding the ball making the tackles in, in the running game in particular is second to none in in the candidates that we've currently got in the in the college game I think the only slight thing for me is the speed but I just don't think I think the way he's built I just I think this is it this is what we're going to get from Suell speed is not going to be part of his game we 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 we've seen that already from from the year from the couple of years that he's been at Oregon, and I don't see that changing. I think that's going to be the only thing that's going to slightly hinder him at the next level of playing on the inside. I think we will see him move to the outside when it comes to the NFL. That's fair. It would be good to see as well because, like you say, he's got the arm length to do it. So it would be an interesting yeah. move. And if we see a bit more, as again you said this year for Oregon, it could perhaps if he has a good year, increase his draft stock somewhat. Okay, let's talk about another slightly lighter guy, but I don't necessarily think that impacts him as much as perhaps Trenton Simpson, and that's Henry Toa Toa from Alabama. I don't know if that's how you say his last time. Every time I look at it, I just want to say twit twoo like a owl, but <laughs> I'm going to go with Toa Toa. Um, 225 pounds. This guy is a speed freak. His yeah. lateral speed across the, uh, across the gridiron is, I think, as good as Kyle Hamilton's from last year's draft predicates his tackling game on speed so occasionally can miss a tackle or not get his arm wrapped around because he is going a little bit too fast for me his vision is what helps him get to the location of the tackle and with that speed he can almost take people by surprise that he's actually there when he gets to the tackle my slight concern that i've written down is again like simpson he does look a little bit small but he doesn't play he's across the field kind of guy and a diagonal tackler as opposed to breaking through the line so is his weight an issue for me not so much as Simpson and I imagine at the next level he'll add a little bit more anyway yeah definitely I think the the, the main the other points that I've got that you the, the um that you mentioned is to, to be piggyback on one of them I love what I've seen from him in coverage I think he's he's quality he's brilliant in coverage most of the time he gets to the ball at almost the same time as the receiver, which is is rare to see when it comes to a linebacker. But he's got that speed and that awareness and the vision to be able to anticipate where the ball's going to be to uh, and then get to it. But he's also he's vicious when it comes to the tackles. As you mentioned, he does miss some tackles, but you he uses his lack of 
strength or his lack of size he that violence that he then puts into it overcomes that and he still makes those plays and I think the main thing for me is he is a leader he's been a leader for the last couple of years for Alabama since since he's basically stepped through the door and he's only developed that and that is crucial for me when it comes to a true top quality inside linebacker is to be a leader on the field for the defensive side. And he's got that in droves. He's also got the quick um, change of direction or ability that comes with being the, the quicker inside linebacker in the coverage. You mentioned it slightly undersized um, and, and the tackles. He could sometimes, he just lacks that, that bang when it comes to hitting a defender um, on occasion, but he's shown in games that, that he can overcome that. And he's had good, if not great tackling numbers in, in, in certain games. I think um, there's there's a Tennessee game in particular uh, where he, he had exceptional numbers and he's shown it when he was at Tennessee and when he was at Alabama so far. So I think he offers everything that you want from an inside linebacker and he's also a leader on the field. It's just slightly undersized, but I think he can he can add to his frame to, to overcome that and I don't think it's going to impact him at all. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. He's vicious. He is yeah. a vicious tackler, and that is almost what you want to see from a leading linebacker when you perhaps mic him up at the next level because you lead from the front and you lead by destroying people, and this guy loves to play destructive football. So, yeah, Toa Toa is going to have a, another sick year for Bama, no doubt, and, and, and go fairly high next year in the draft, I think. We've got some other notable players. Owen Papo from Auburn, Jack Campbell from Iowa, Demarvian Overshone from Texas, Edufan Olo Fashoi, oh man, <laughs> how do you say that? Olo Fashio. Olo yeah, Fashio. Oh, yeah. Jordan's going to crucify us for that because obviously it's a Washington player, but um, yeah. It's just, oh, it's come on, Jordan's very... not listening anymore. He's too nah. busy on his own. God, shout <laughs> out, Jordan, mate. Hope it's going well. Okay, that uh, Ed Fashio. Ed Fashio. <laughs> there you go. There's a, just use that one, my friend. Uh, any of those guys, Ash, that we should talk about before moving on to corners? Um, I think the top, the top, the, the the three guys that we spoke about are are clear for me at the moment. Um, Jack Cabell from Iowa is someone that I am keeping my eye out. I do like what I've seen. He's got good. He's got the size and and agility and ability, the athleticism to um, be a very successful inside linebacker. He's good in particular in the in the run game and he's very good in coverage, which obviously adds to that versatility that you want to see from the inside linebacker. Just overall inconsistency is is what concerns me with him. I just need to see him a bit more. There are times where he just seems to be out of position and then having to try and make up for that by basically trying to chase down the players when sometimes you just don't have that you just do not have that time to to overcome being out of position if he can improve on that he's going to definitely start to climb up the draft board come come next april but yeah he's another guy that that i'm definitely keeping an eye out on okay i don't have a lot on corners and that's not because i didn't do any research it's because for me this is not a good cb class this is there's very few players in this class which I think are top tier, if any, are as good as the elite tier from last year. Yeah. At three, Ash, you've got Travius Hodgson Tomlinson from TCU. He's a senior. I'd have nothing on this kid. 
Yeah, to be honest with you, it's these three, and then the rest are sort of uh, at the moment middling, middling um, cornerbacks for me. I think Traverius Hodge, Hodges Tomlinson is 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 free quite easily for me. And I was looking at him last year um, for being one of those sort of sleeper players in the draft, but he decided to go back to um, to TCU for a, for his senior year. He's his own cornerback. He's got very good awareness when it comes to um, when it comes to that. Um, he's got good um, hand. His I want to say hand power when it comes to the initial contact with the with the wide receiver on the line. He's very good at making that initial bang into the chest to basically stop them in their route um and sort of that then overcomes his he's not slow but he hasn't got that overall top killer speed that you do want to see he's got good straight line speed to keep up with receivers downfield but he uses he's smart with the way he plays in man coverage when he he'll pop him to basically just stop him for a slight second and then it gives him time and as i say he's got good instincts and his reactions to the to the actual ball itself and when he's got the ball he is he's great. Like in terms, if he if he can get an interception, he is tough to then stop um, and make make um, yardage for the defensive side. If if he if he can get the ball from a turnover or or a, um, or a, from an interception or a fumble, um, the issues the only issues for me is size. He's five nine, hundred and seventy seven pounds. He's a small corner. Um, wow, he's, he's like he me. Is, yeah, he is wow. a small corner. That is a concern. Um, and I mentioned obviously about the man coverage that he can pop him, but his overall play in man coverage can let him down at times. If he doesn't get that initial pop off, he really struggles in man coverage. He gets easily out out moved, and then he's effectively he's effectively ineffective in the play. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's minor things. The size is the biggest concern for me. I, he's got to put a lot on um, to 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 really. He's going to have to bulk up for the next level. If you are going to bridge here with a little plug, Ash, if you are unaware of what 5'9", 170 pounds looks like and you fancy finding out, <laughs> on June the 16th, July the 16th, sorry, the United Kingdom Fantasy Football Collective is holding an expo in Marleybone in London. There's going to be panels on Fantasy Football. Murph is doing a panel. There's a big raffle. Uh, there's some tables. Come and meet some of the fantasy people from you know, some of the companies. Uh, we're going to be there. Uh, Rich King's going to be there. Full Ten Yards are going to be there. So if you want to know what five nine one hundred and seventy seven pounds is, I'm going to be there. Book yourself a ticket. I, it's not a lot. I think it's it's less than ten pounds a ticket. It's going to be five hours. There's going to be a best ball draft. There's some absolutely sick prizes for the raffle. And the best bit is it is all going to charity. So the more people that turn up, the more money we can make. For I say we, I'm just I've had nothing to do with it. But the more money that the collective can make for charity, which in this day and age is huge. Ash, I'm surprised you're not coming, but it is a hot minute from you. It's a few miles for you to come yes. up for Saturday. Yeah, and it will be a train as well. We all know what the uh, we all know what the situation with trains are at the moment. It takes me three and a half hours to just get to London as it is. So with everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah, that's probably. I get there when it finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure right. I'm missing out. Yeah, I'm. I'm at number two. We've got Keely Ringo, Georgia yeah. sophomore. So, you mentioned speed for Trevius Hodgson Tomlinson. I don't think there is a top level burner at corner in this class. 
for me, Keely Ringo is the fastest, but he looks really slow when you watch him on tape. <laughs> he looks so slow. Yeah, it's because he yeah he does, but he's he's definitely not. He's got good speed, and he can he's he could keep track. He can keep track with, in particular, ball carriers. One of the things for me is his ability in the run defense. Just because he's physical, he's got good speed to keep up with those ball carriers, and he's aggressive as well. He's aggressive against running backs, tight ends wide receivers, all of them. It doesn't matter who he's going up against. He's going to be physical when he when he hits you. Um, yeah. he, really physical when he hits you. I think Keely he, Wingo... Sorry to jump in, Ash. I think right. he's got good potential. I think if yeah. he can increase his potential, he, he could be the top corner in this class. I mean, when you... He's only allowed 40% of his targets to be completed, which is a great number. You know, we, we want someone who's going to be able to stop to stop the ball getting to their receiver. And as you mentioned, because he is good in the tackle, even at 40%, if they make the catch, he's pretty much brought them down as soon as they make the catch. Yeah. Uh, for me, he needs to have a top year for him to be proven as, as a good corner. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree with you there. And I think that, as you said, that 40% is 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 evident in, in his tape because at times it looks like that he is he's always going to be the favourite to get the ball. For, over a wide receiver he's just he's something he's in a better position to catch the ball than than the wide receiver is in, <laughs> in the route sometimes he just gets there he's got that vision he's got that that awareness and then he's got all the 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 um agility to to get and make that play consistently i think if we're looking at at, at weaknesses areas to improve as you mentioned there we need a top year from him i think if we see that he's he's going to be definitely in contention for the number one corner he doesn't wrap up in the tackle he wants to hit someone um I, i've mentioned it many a times when doing this pod i don't like people i don't like defenders that just go for the the hit i want to see them wrap wrap up there's too many times where you see someone going for a big hit rather than wrapping up the legs or even just wrapping up the body and the player getting away from them there's too many yeah. times he needs to get his shoulder down make the big hit but then wrap up and get the and get the get the ball carrier on the floor. You're just that's a big the main thing for me. You're just a big hugger, Ash. That's yeah, that's trouble. all it is. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just I just hate seeing someone making such a good play to get to the get to the the ball carrier, yep. um, and then and then just going for that hit and and either missing completely or or bouncing off of them. Just just wrap up, wrap the legs up. They're not going anywhere. Some of them will. Derek Henry's going to run. Three people are wrapping his legs up. But just wrap up. Nine times out of ten, you're bringing that guy down if you just wrap his legs. Don't matter how hard you hit him. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about play. let's talk about yours and my current top one in yeah. the cornerback class. Eli Ricks, Alabama, formerly Georgia. Is that right? He was at Georgia? No, uh, LSU, sorry. Um, yes. So, Eli Ricks is recovering from shoulder surgery, Ash, which I, didn't, I, I don't know if he's fully recovered or not. I've got a question mark next to that because I didn't know the full answer to that. So, my points on Eli Ricks before we talk about the possible or finished shoulder recovery anticipation he has elite anticipation of the route run and where the ball is going to be so he can keep his eye on the wide receiver for longer than perhaps some other defenders need to because he knows where the ball is going to be he's massively physical in press so what you want from your receivers 
at the NFL level, especially at the moment in, in how fast people are, is press at the line, you know, blocking them up, stopping them, stunting them, like Ash said earlier, making their initial break off difficult at the line. Eli Ricks is fantastic in press coverage. And with contested catches, he's strong enough and he's got a good jump in order to get up and, and battle for the ball in the air, which coupled with his anticipation and ball knowledge, it means he is a superb corner. For me, he isn't quite fast enough from what I want from my corners yet, but I think he can he can definitely become faster. I think you can train that top end speed in if you're an athlete like Ricks is. I just think if he hasn't recovered from the shoulder, is that going to impact his year this year? Um, everything I've seen is that he is he'll be fine come start of the season. He got injured quite early on. I think it was October uh, that, he, that he initially got injured himself and had surgery. Um, so I think he'll be okay. Obviously, shoulder in shoulder shoulder injuries and sh- and surgery for a, a cornerback at any secondary or receiver is 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 concerning. But I think Ricks will will recover um, quite well from that, and it seems that he's going to be a training camp if if not already. Um, I I agree with you with his overall top end speed, but I think what he does is he uses his instincts to to be in the right position to make up for not having that explosive speed to, to make the play, shall we say he's, he's essentially read the play and is there already. Um, He's aggressive in the tackle. It doesn't matter who he's going up against. He's going to be aggressive in that tackle. If it's a six, seven tight end, he's going to go in like he's tackling a six foot 180 pound wide receiver. And I love to see that. I, I think he's got good agility without having good speed, but that agility allows him to turn and make those plays. The only slight concern and criticism I have for him is he does open himself up slightly too early when it comes to the plays, which then allows, which then means he'll get turned. Um, he can get turned easily by the by the quicker, more smarter receivers. That's that's the only issue, along with not having that overall top top end speed. But as I said, he he counteracts that with his instincts and his intelligence when it comes to reading the plays. But easily how. He's easily my number one at the minute. I do think Ringo, with a good year, will definitely be competing for that number one spot with Ricks. Um, but for me, Ricks is the is the is the the favourite at the moment. There you go. Right. Other notable players from this cornerback class: we have got Cam Smith from South Carolina, Joey Porter Jr. Penn State, Clark Phillips Utah, Garrett Williams from Syracuse. And then Tony Grimes from UNC. Now, Tony Grimes coming out of high school was the highest rated corner in his class, was five stars, went to UNC, supposed to be the next big thing, and has done absolutely nothing at UNC in the entire time he has been there. Yeah. Was it all hype? I I don't know. Tony Grimes, apparently, I haven't seen any of the high school tape, and I'm not really a big corner watcher from high school, if I'm honest. But you don't come out as a five-star corner and, and just fade away, surely. Yeah, I mean, he's just sort of lacked that top-end potential that everybody, that we all expected to see. Um, uh, yeah, it was difficult. It, it's difficult um, with him. I've put him on there because of that. That The potential is there. He just so far seems to just be okay at everything and yeah. inconsistent. If we get consistency and the, the, the top-level ability that we saw at high school then 
he could have a, he's got a good chance but we need to see it this year and i'm just a bit hesitant but he's there for that that potential it's, as you mentioned it's just not an exciting class unfortunately okay. once ringo and ricks and and um um hodges tomlinson who who is on the cusp for me there it's just there's there's there's, there's names like cam smith and jerry porter jr are good and i think we'll see him third fourth maybe hitting second round depending on how how if there's a need for cornerback but it's just not it's not there this year unfortunately right ash let's move to safety uh yeah. there's a guy in here that obviously if you know if if you understand my love for kyle hammer in last year's draft there's a guy in this draft class who happens to now play for the same team that Kyle Hamilton played for. This guy is an absolute baller at safety. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Let's start at number three. I have absolutely nothing on Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M. Yeah, Antonio Johnson is here for me at the moment. It's very close between him, Malachi Moore and Tyke Smith. I've put Johnson here because I just think the overall potential is slightly higher for me, for him. And I still don't know if we're going to see him at cornerback or at safety at the NFL level. I'm not entirely sure. I've got him at safety because that's where he's played predominantly for the Aggies. But he may well translate over to a cornerback at the next level. I like the instincts and the the reads that he can make on the field when he's got the ball, when he's made that initial interception or he's recovered a fumble. When he's got the ball in his hands, he is dangerous. Um, he's very, he's got great football IQ, as I mentioned. He can read and react incredibly well, um, which makes up for his overall movement. His footwork and his, his balance can let him down at times in the coverage, but his intelligence and his ability to read the plays counteracts that unless he's coming up against the top end quarterbacks and wide receivers so we do need he does need to improve on that to to really develop for the next level um but he's he's got he's got the grit he's got the fight he's he's a competitive um aggressive player that that shows all those traits that you want from a safety just needs to sort of consistently gel it all together and in particular move on uh, uh, develop his overall movement if he does that He's he's going to be in the conversation with with the next guy for the number two spot. I think number one is clear at the moment. So at two, we both have Jordan Battle, who possibly has the best name for a safety. Yeah, maybe ever Alabama. For me, Jordan Battle's strength is the fact that he has played everywhere across the secondary line. He's played corner, he's played safety, he's even played a bit of uh, slot slot corner as well. So the guy can move across predominantly a safety, but has the ability to play everywhere else is a playmaker. We've, we've yep. seen that at Alabama. He, the way he reads his roots is up there as anybody else in this class for me. He's big, he's physical, and if he can get the football, as you mentioned with another player earlier, Ash, he's really difficult to bring down. This guy, he's almost a wide receiver when he receives, gets the football, which is superb when you're somebody who's supposed to be intercepting the ball as a safety. So Jordan Battle is he's not quite as good as our number one. But for me, there was very little that I saw from the limited tape watching that was a negative. Ash is grimacing, so I don't know whether he's got something here that is going to tear no. my defence apart. No, not at all. Not at all. I think uh, I love Jordan Battle's tape. I love what I've seen from him so far. The main things for me, you've already covered, but also 
I mentioned about Henry Toto earlier being a leader. Jordan Battle is also a leader on the field. Um, he and he, but he leads by example. He he is everywhere. He will get to everybody and just be consistent throughout the whole game. I love the way he can use his hands without giving up penalties. He gets to the ball regardless of how what receiver he's coming up against and he will make a play and he will rarely draw fouls. He's tough. He's got the speed that he, that to keep up with those players and he's just not scared of anybody. He will go up against the no matter he will go up against anybody and he'll hit them. I mentioned earlier I don't like people that don't wrap up, but Watching some of Battle's tape, he, when he makes those big, big hits, big hits against the smaller receivers, it is fun to see. But it's just not the. Uh, it's just better to wrap up. But you, you, <laughs> you have to, you have to love a big hit every once in a while. But Battle knows when to do that. Battle, and he also knows when to wrap and, and bring the player down. He's just so well rounded for the safety position, and to be honest, the corner, the cornerback position as well. He's more than capable in coverage when called upon. He's he's got very few flaws to his game. Um, he could quite easily play man-to-man coverage as a cornerback or stick into the safety, um, the strong safety which he which he plays predominantly. He's got he's got all of those abilities. Um, slight concerns, minimal. I, I mentioned it. Doesn't wrap up in his tackles all the time. Needs some overall improvement on his tackles, but he just makes up for it in other areas. There are times where he tries to jump the play rather than going for the man. So he'll what I mean by that is he'll try and read the ball in the air and just mistime it and the ball will clear him. And then it, we've seen it many times. Ball goes over a safety's head. It's, it's, it's more often than not a touchdown because they're the last line of defence. So just slight issues for me. Uh, and occasionally he gets he gets caught in the block. Uh, he gets too engaged with a, with a receiver, but minimal. I think he is he is a already he's he's a pro prospect already for me. I think he could be a day one starter regardless of where he ends up in the safe, as a safety. Yeah, agreed. If you are unsure what Ash was talking about in using his hands, go and watch some Jordan Battle tape. And watch yeah. what he does with his hands on a receiver. Always Rever- working. Yeah. Reversely, go and watch some DeAndre Hopkins tape of how he uses his hands against corners and safeties. Because yeah. hand play in I think is a hugely underrated aspect of not only corners and safeties, but wide receivers and how they use their hands at the line of scrimmage or within the first 10 yards, or even when they jump balling. and Jump you know, balling, yeah. I'd love to see those two go up against each other. I think Hopkins still has it, but I think battle will give him a battle, shall oh, we say. <laughs> I mean, hand play in, in the NFL, I don't, yeah. there is no so important than DeAndre yeah. Hopkins. Like Nuke's hands are better than anyone else. It, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. So just go and educate yourself if you're not quite sure. Go and see what they do with their hands. Don't worry about the play. Don't worry about the ball. Watch what they do at the line of scrimmage. Watch when the ball snap. Watch how they jump ball and fight it out with their hands and how not to draw a flag is is all I'm saying. Right, Ash, number one, Brandon Joseph, Notre Dame. This guy, I think for me, if you go back and watch his 2020 season at Northwestern, he was the best safety in college football that year by a long, long way. Agreed. Agreed. Had an off year last year, just almost forgot how to play football. I think joining Notre Dame is 
a massive move for him with Marcus Freeman and what we've seen him do with defenders. I think that this guy has the ability to be better than Kyle Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Kyle Hamilton went later than we thought he would last year. For me, it, it, at times he was the number one player. Safety is obviously positional scarcity. It just doesn't happen. The fact he went later than number 10 was just a farce, in my opinion. This guy can be better than Kyle Hamilton. When you watch him, his vision and anticipation are frightening for a safety. We, we, yeah. He almost, you mentioned it, Ash, earlier, where the guy's at the play regardless of speed. Doesn't matter for Brandon Joseph because he's there with the speed and he hits tackles hard. I, from what I've seen, he just, I think he has top 10 ability and I think that he will go top 10 if he has a good season because of the ability shown. He's a ball hawk. He can win in the air at the tackle, uh, sorry, the jump ball as well. Is elite with the ball in his hand when he gets it. He isn't just looking to get out of bounds or anything. He can make yards when he intercepts. I, I want to say that in the 20 COVID season, he had something like five interceptions in eight games or something ridiculous like that. It's just, I, I could be talking about the wrong player, but go and watch some Brandon Joseph tape from 2020 in, in Northwestern because if you want to know how to play safety, go and watch this dude because he is elite. Yeah, he had six. Yes, it was six, six and nine. Um, oh, there you in, go. In, in the twenty twenty, it was close. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You've literally covered pretty much everything for me here, in 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 how in how he how good he is. So I'll just give the the, the weaknesses, and they are very minor and few and far between. I've mentioned it for a lot of these secondary guys, and it just seems to be the the way that say <laughs> that secondary is at the moment is his tackling technique. It's just too often he's just going for the hit and he's not wrapping up. If he can get that technique down, he is far and away better. It's going to be better than, than, than a lot of what we've seen out of safety in the last couple of years. And and you mentioned he, he's got the speed he's, but he's not explosively quick. He's a smart player. Yep. So just got to put it, put it there that he isn't the most explosive player because that will let him down at times, but he is intelligent enough and able to read plays more than capably enough to make up for that. Um, and the size, but the, he's, he's obviously he's a smaller guy, 6'1", 192 pounds. He looks like a cornerback, but everything else about his game is that he is a safety and he is going to be an exceptional free safety at the, at the, at the NFL level. And we all know how much that the NFL likes to pass. So that's uh, it's going to be very entertaining to see him play at the next yeah. level. I think he's going to be exceptional. He could also have peaked in 2020, and we mainly never see Brandon Joseph play safety. To, yeah, to... I, 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 yeah, I mean, but he was. I look, I watched his tape last year, and yes, he had a down year, but I think he just he looked so good in 2020 in that short space of time. It was always going to be difficult to maintain that. So, um, but there is no doubt he had he did take a drop off, but. I mean, he still only allowed a sixty-five point nine QB rating against him. I mean, that's still <laughs> that's still nothing to scoff at. But then you look back at twenty twenty in those nine games, it was about three percent. He yeah. had a, a two point eight QB rating against him. So, yeah, I, it just he. Uh, hopefully, we see that again this year. As you say, at Notch Dave, I'm glad he's not a Northwestern anymore because it means Ohio State don't have to face him. <laughs> unless we play Notre Dame, which we usually end up doing anyway. But still, um, yeah, at Notre Dame, under that leadership, I can only see him improve on what already is an exceptional safety. 
I'm, I'm going to call it now. Brandon Joseph, uh, Joseph is going to be a Baltimore Raven come the draft next year. And him <laughs> and Carl Hammett are going to cause trouble for many, many years to come. Right, Ash, honest answer to this question. Did you enjoy me having notes for this kind of chat? Yeah, it was great. I, I, I was I was buzzing when you told me you had notes on the defensive players. Like generally, it's uh, it, it right. warms my heart and it made it it made it great having a conversation. Well, we've got some divisional stuff coming up, so notes yeah. might be trickier for that because there's a lot more <laughs> to write about. But I I, I am going to promise to to try harder with my notes and stuff because it got me more engaged in the podcast, which was which was good stuff. If those of you watching, if you've joined the stream late on, the question, if you are watching, you've already seen, is up on the screen. Again, follow us on Twitter. DM us the, uh, DM us the answer uh, at Five Yard College. Answers in by midday Friday. Right, Ash. We went over the hour again. It was never in doubt. We're talking football. This has been a whole lot of fun, my friend. Yes, I love talking defensive players. I could have done it for another two hours. There's, there's so many more people I want to speak about, but... We'll save that for another day. <laughs> There's plenty more hours of the year left, my friend, before we get to the season. Rush Nation, this has been a lot of fun. I enjoyed making the notes. I'm glad I could back Ash up rather than relying on all his information. And and you got to hear more of me, which can only be a good thing, right? Don't forget, the FFCC entries are now closed. There is only two available to you listening Come and join us in the FFCC and see if you can knock either me or Ash out. Until we meet again down the road, Saturdays are for Russian 2. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.